What do you do in the last rounds of a fantasy basketball draft? Well, you go for the home run swing. In today's show, we're talking about a bunch of players who you can take in those last rounds of your draft. Michael Bolton, he wants to hear about it. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to talk um, late round flyers. And the more and more that I think about fantasy, which I do, honestly... 363 days of the year. There might be two days where I don't, but I do. Anyway, on those days, um, always trying to work out what wins, what doesn't, how we have fun, how we have success. And the more and more that I think about it, the more I try to de-emphasize the importance of the draft. Not de-emphasize. And I've been on this for a while, but like, you know, people spend 50% of their time working out what they're going to do with pick one. And that's a waste of your time. They spend 20% of their time working at, well, how do I pair pick one and pick two? It's also a pretty big waste of your time. Um, what does, I think, lead to the most success is finding the, the rises, finding the blokes that you pick and they return 60 spots of value. Some of that is luck, but some of it is also taking the right chance. Like, I'm going to use this bloke's name a lot, the pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. But taking Barnes at pick 120 and he finishes up the 115th best player doesn't win you anything. Taking somebody who at 120 who might be 70th, but might be 170th, that's the swing that you make. So that's what we're really trying to focus on um, in this sort of a show. But before I do get into that, Warney's going to bring us in because we're just going to have a quick word about the Locked On Fantasy Basketball by Warney. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> I'm going to just open up the entries on this show. We're going to still do the individual shows for the team previews, but particularly for the points league, there are some spots available for that. The category league, I think we've filled up already the same amount of slots that we had last season for the category league on Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl, which was 360 slots. So we've filled all those up, but we've got another 360 available for category leagues that we're going to fill out, and I'm pretty confident we're going to get there. But still, put your application in, right? If you want to get into these bowls, slow drafts that begin next week, $50 entry. If you finish top two in your division of 12 teams, you get 200 back and then you get a chance to win that prize, which is going to exceed $5,000, um, maybe even six, seven, eight thousand. 8000 The more teams in there, the bigger that prize pool. 18-man rosters, 40-game hard cap for the week. So schedule um, is not as big of a factor. Injuries get minimized a little bit with that as well. You're not going to go in with those. I'm playing 10 fewer games than my opponent type situation. There is an entry form linked below in the show notes, and in the description. That's all you need to do. And what I want you to do, all you need to do, right, to uh, get in is just one name. Just tell me one name 
in this show of the late round flyers that I mentioned. That's all you need to do. And that will get you an opportunity, not saying you're guaranteed a spot, but get you an opportunity to get into the mix, to get into the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl, which I'm telling you, it's going to be a lot of fun. Let us um, talk now about these um, these players because there, there is a lot to talk about when we're looking at... Um, I've just realized I've got all these like graphics that I'm, that I'm trying to do and maybe we're not going to get there with all of them. That's fine. We're going to talk late round flyers. I couldn't come up with a better name. Let's do it. The Nets. We're looking at some Nets wildcard players. I've got two names that are on this list. Ben Simmons and Cam Thomas. Now, every one of the players that I'm about to mention in today's show has an ADP that sits outside the top 120. And it's not one of those ones that like, it's a Mark Williams or a Zach Collins where they were ranked in the 300s and then they've been pushed back to number 100 now. So that ADP is a little bit false. These are all guys with legit ranks and ADPs that are outside your top 120, which for a standard league means that we're heading into the bench. I think that as soon as we hit... Now, with in the standard league, you've got 10 starters, three bench. I don't know that you necessarily have to grab a young upside flyer who's got a 2% chance of panning out with every one of those last three picks. But I think you want to do it relatively early. You want to try and get those chances in, in round 11. And then if you've taken a flyer guy in round 11 or 12, maybe get a safer guy that slid. Maybe a Mike Conley falls to you in round 13. And then you know what? Conley's already got a little bit of value of 25 spots baked in by getting him in round 13. Like he's not going to be a top 70 player. And if you took him at 121, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But if you took one of the guys like Ben Simmons at 121 and he turns into a top 70 player, well, that's tremendous value. And then you get those bunch of veterans who are going to stick around like Harrison Barnes, maybe even like a DeAndre Hunter, those sort of players who have limited upside, but you grab them in say around 13. So usually the idea is I'll just grab my players in round 13. We'll take a swing. I want to flip it on its head. I think round 11, round 12, we take the swing and then we see what older players fall to us in round 13 if that's the way we want to actually go. So in saying all of that, I think when we look at Ben Simmons, I have no idea what we're going to get out of him. But I also know that once we're picking in round 11, it doesn't matter. Like the the upside that Simmons can bring is a top 70 player. He's ranked 146th on Yahoo. He's got an ADP of 132 on both Yahoo and ESPN. And if you look at Yahoo's stats, he's been drafted in only 84% of leagues. So there's leagues we were just seeing on the waiver wire. This is absolutely free money. It costs you nothing to grab Ben Simmons. We're talking round 11, round 12 to get him. He thinks he's a starting point guard in the Nets team. I don't know whether Jacques Vaughn believes that. Doesn't matter. Best case scenario for Simmons is literally a top 30 minus one head-to-head guy. 16, 8, 8. 1.5 steals. That's an unbelievable fantasy play. Now, there's probably no chance he gets that, but 12, 7, and 7. 1.2 steals. 55% from the field. It, It could not be an easier decision. Now, you might hate Ben Simmons. Cool. Doesn't matter. You, and this is, this, and I've heard, I heard uh, Mitch Casey talk about this on his podcast. Say, so, yeah, it's not about Aussie bias for Ben Simmons because people in Australia don't actually like Ben Simmons. Like he is not a popular player here. It's, I don't, I have no animosity towards him, but I also don't like him as a. Yeah, I don't love oh, man. Simmons is Australian. He's so awesome. I don't feel like that at all. I just think this is unbelievable value. And the same goes with Cam Thomas, who I also don't believe is a particularly good player. I, I don't. You've heard me say that. I think he's a very one-dimensional, me-first type of scorer. 
But he's got to start to show something soon. This Nets team, I think, I actually think they're going to be relatively bad this season. I don't know that. But Thomas is available everywhere. Like, he doesn't even have an ADP on Yahoo. He's got the fake 140. Also, remember that. If you ever see an ADP of 140 on ESPN, it is fake. It is a number they give to every single player who is not being drafted. That's a fake number. Cam Thomas has a percentage drafted on Yahoo of zero. Zero. Even though he's ranked 218th, he's not being drafted in any single league, apparently. Now, I don't think there's really much chance of him starting because you're going to have either O'Neal or Dinwiddie, uh, Finney Smith. There's a bunch of guys there. And he might not even be in the rotation, but the guys that would be competing for with him, Dennis Smith and Lonnie Walker in particular, especially Lonnie Walker, they're not good. And Thomas at least has upside as a player. Do they keep Spencer Dinwiddie around if Simmons is actually ready to be their starting point guard? Dinwiddie's an unrestricted free agent. Could Thomas get a 25-minute-a-night bench roll? Yeah. Is there a small, is there a very, very, very small chance of that? Yes, it is a very, very, very small chance of that happening. But whatever, that's totally okay. You just take that fly out. Now, he's one that I would definitely deprioritize. This is not in order, by the way. These names there, I've just grouped them into little sections. They're not in order of who I would take Simmons first and Thomas second. I wouldn't do that. But he's at least on in that range. Because if he comes out and he plays 25 a night, he might score 18 points and hit two and a half threes and get three assists and get 90% from the line, and that's actually good enough. Could he become the... Um, the, the, the name we always used, always used to use was Lou Williams or Jamal Crawford. Then it became a Jordan Clarkson. Could he be a Jordan Clarkson? I wouldn't rule it out. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out is how I would phrase that. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets when you sign up. Simple as that. And you get them, win or lose. Guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet. I read that out of order, but I'll do it again. Place a $5 bet. Guaranteed you get $200 bonus bets back, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's never been a better time to do it. In fact, you can go in and have a have a look at any odds for maybe the Dolphins have an attempt at breaking the NFL's scoring record again. They should have done it last week, but they just dropped 70 on old mate uh, the Danger Witch himself. The Dolphins, they've got to be Super Bowl favorites soon. Tour MVP. It's all happening. I'm prophesizing it. And you can put all those bets on, money line, straight up stuff, um, over under totals, uh, spreads. It's all there over on Fangio. So go to Fangio.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Fangio is an official partner of the NFL. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. So that'll bring us into the uh, to the next bunch of next bunch of players that we're going to look at. I think he's talking to you. Yeah, it's the Thompsons. Can I get amen? When I went through and did all these slides that for, for all of these players, I realized there's a bloody lot of sound bites I've got for these guys, and I've got the two Thompsons here: Amen Thompson in Houston, Asar Thompson in Detroit. Very easy to group them together. I think they both are bench players, but one of them, Asar, has a chance to be a starter opening night. And they're both available very late. 143 is the ADP for Amen on Yahoo, 134 on ESPN. Asar is almost the same, 141 on Yahoo, 132 on ESPN. Remember, Asar was 
ranked in the 500s over on Yahoo at, at one point, but he's come right in now to 141. But he's still only being drafted in 33% of leagues. A men is being drafted in 25% of leagues. Now, I, I would have said it was tough to draft a men before the Kevin Porter Jr. situation occurred. And by situation, I mean the shit bloke being a shit bloke and bashing his misses, allegedly. So now Thompson has the chance, instead of being a guy that will struggle to get some minutes, he's the primary backup point guard. He's probably the primary backup two guard, and he might get some minutes at the three. Give this guy 20, and these guys have unbelievable fantasy statistical profiles. Shooting might be a problem. Actually, almost definitely will be. But a rebound, assist, steal, block with three-point volume, might not be good at it, but there's three-point volume, that's very hard to get that combination. And both of these guys do it. They did it at Overtime Elite. And we said, oh yeah, but is that a joke league? What is this pace? Why is it all transition, fast break stuff? Maybe these numbers aren't real. And then they went out in Summer League and did literally exactly the same thing. He went, all right, maybe this shit's real. Like, maybe this is real. They are big-time prospects with big-time defensive skills, unbelievable IQ, passing chops, unselfishness. The only concern is the shooting. But who cares? Like, Thompson might be starting by November. Thompson might be starting October 24th. I say Thompson. They're both Thompsons. Asar, I mean. And then it is going to be harder. He has to replace Brooks, Van Vliet, or Green. And he's probably not going to do that. But like we just said with Jordan Clarkson, not that these are the same players, it's very easy if you are the primary guard off the bench. You can get 28 a night fairly comfortably. I don't think a man's going to do that. I think he might play 20, 21 initially and ramp it up slowly. So Asari is probably a little bit of a better bet than a men, but I like a men better as a long-term prospect. But both of these guys are in situations where their fantasy stat set carries them through a 22-minute roll. And if anything more comes of it, especially Asar, I think you've got some pretty, some pretty strong value with those guys. And they are both, as you can see, Available very late in drafts. Let's look at some young guards. Two of them play for the Knicks. One of them does not. I just went in-depth and put this bloke under the lens yesterday. Yesterday? I think it was yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Emmanuel Quickly. And showed a level of skepticism about how the Knicks will work out, right? Because there's just too many guards. And Quickly had those playoff struggles. And there was just a few things. Where I was like, mm, I'm not sure about this. But we don't care. At this point in the draft, quickly, year four, Quentin Grimes, who is in year three. This briefcase and this haircut. They're both going to be in the rotation and maybe one of them pops. I think long-term, actually, Grimes might be the better prospect, but whatever. We're getting quickly at pick 130 on ESPN 136. Grimey is at 149 on Yahoo with an uh, ESPN fake ADP of 140. Like, Grimes is not being drafted anywhere. And I get it because... On the surface, it doesn't seem like there's actually any upside in him. He's only being drafted in 7% of leagues. But as I've said with Grimes, there's a lot that he can do that we don't always see. He can pass, he can handle, he can distribute, he can run an offense, he can defend at a high level, and he can shoot. He just sort of fits in. Now, maybe he just continues to fit in on this team and doesn't actually blow up. But it's year three. This is a bloke that was a very highly touted recruit coming in as a point guard, went to Kansas, struggled and then moved to Auburn, I believe it was, and had to sort of remold his game. There's a lot still to come, I think, with uh, Grimes. And then quickly, he's being drafted basically everywhere, but it's still late. So I don't mind grabbing these guys. Now, I don't think both of them can actually pop off at once, but they're both options. We don't know how that's going to happen. And then the other one is another young guard, and this one is in Indiana. Yeah, Benedict Matherin, who... He's going to start, 
And I detailed a lot of struggles that he had last season with his tunnel vision. Um, but his ability to get to the line and attempt free throws was huge. Right, that, that's, that's a huge thing. And rookies don't usually do that. Now, some some of that, is, there may have been some things that you know, when I went in deep on him uh, on the Pacers show that yeah, maybe that's there's some stuff papering over there, but whatever. That's not. But that's beside the point. We're talking about a bloke who theoretically could start, play 34 minutes, average 20 points, hit three threes a game, get four assists, maybe a steal. There's going to be percentage issues, but of course, he could average 16 points and shoot 40% and get two assists because he never passes. All, all that's possible. But we're talking around 11 here, and I, I don't I don't see a downside in it. Like, would you rather take him at that spot at in round 11 or round 12? And he's only been drafted in, in uh, 88% of leagues. Like, would you rather take a flyer on him or like a Norman Powell, who to get to the value probably needs two of George, Kawhi, and Russ to be out? Or would you take Terrence Mann? Like, you wouldn't, right? There's no value in those players. Would you take your Rui Hachimura, who's got very little upside? You don't. You take a crack at Ben, who's in year two, who's going to elevate in minutes, and maybe fixes a 6-7 percentage rise in percentage point rise in field goals, which second-year players do not all the time, but, uh, but relatively often. So three young guards, three worthy late-round picks. What is your, before we go on, if you are watching this live or you're watching this on YouTube, drop down in the comments below who are some guys that you've got targeted for your last round picks? Who are some guys that you think I'm going to mention as we go through the show later on, but some other guys that you would definitely have on your list? Let's look at some young forwards. There's two of them, and they're in very similar boats heading into year four, same draft class. One's in Chicago, one's in Washington, so they're not on good teams. There's opportunities for both of these guys. I feel like one of them, Patrick Williams, is going to start, and the other one is Denny Avdia, who may or may not start. Both are available basically as a last-round player. 146 on Yahoo for Patty Williams, 145 on Yahoo for Avdia. And I'm, just, I'm going to guess I'm just going to have a look. They're not getting drafted. Avdia's getting drafted in 30, 39% of leagues, and Pat Williams getting drafted in 24%. That's, that's just leaving money on the table. Is there a chance that they're not good? Absolutely. But both of these players can average over a steal a game. Williams can average a block a game. Avdi can average four assists per game, and they can both get over 30 minutes a night. I think finding enough usage for them, playing next to DeRozan, Levine, and Vooch, or playing next to Kuzma and Poole in Washington, is a little bit harder. And Avdi might not even start. It might be Kispert. But the overall well-rounded game that both of them can show and the year four players, and if they don't show it now when I don't know what happens, then that's that's a real issue in terms of their development. And you, you start to say, well, maybe we write them off a little bit. But the opportunity is there. And that is really, that's really what we're looking for in, in fantasy drafts. Have a crack. What are you what else are you doing in round 12 or 13? You're taking these blokes. Let's keep it on the path of forwards. And we'll look at some second year forwards. And we'll start in San Antonio with old mate. Jeremy Sohan. Sohan now. I don't know whether Sohan is going to start or not, or whether it's going to be Keldon Johnson. I've got no idea. I would start Sohan over Johnson, and there are going to be people who watch this who call me insane for benching the Spurs' best player in Keldon Johnson. Cool. I just don't think he is. This is not a Keldon Johnson show. This is a Jeremy Sohan discussion. 
It's got an ADP of 141 with a fake ESPN ADP of 140. Sohan had some big improvements last season. Was actually more adept at ball handling and usage than I thought he would be. Improved that free throw percentage. He's being drafted nowhere. He's ranked 325 on Yahoo. And this one extends not only to standard leagues. You're in 16-team leagues. He's everywhere. Like he does have an ADP of 141, Sohan, but he's drafted in 13% of leagues. So really, he's just available everywhere. And I, I don't know that he's going to start, but if he does, well, that's exactly what you want with that last pick. He's year two. Huge upside. Can defend, can score a little bit, but can dribble, can pass. He's smart. He improved his shooting. Like There's so much to like about where the upside can take him. Tari's second season is on this list as well. And the absence of Kevin Porter Jr. also helps Tari. Tari's got an ADP as a last round player, like 147 on ESPN. He's at 139. He's only being drafted in 66% of leagues. And much like his teammate, Amen Thompson, he doesn't need 30 minutes to blow up. This is a guy that's a very high level rebounder, a steals guy, a blocks guy, a pretty good field goal percentage guy. There are some issues, a decent passer. There are some issues with his shooting and with his free throws, yes. And don't be surprised. Like He should get all of the backup minutes, I would guess, behind Jabari Smith. The problem is going to be what Ime Udoka does with uh, the wild thing, Jay Sean Tate. But if Eason plays 25, he's a standard league player. He played 21 minutes a night last season, was ranked like 160th. So there is an opportunity here without Porter where he gets the minutes backing up Dylan Brooks, backing up Jabari Smith. And also, if they don't love what Shangun is doing at center defensively, again, I think that'll be a mistake. But you just play Eason and Smith as the four and the five. It might not work, and you know how much caution I preached with Eason last season, saying, bro, they're never playing him at small forward, so the only minutes he gets is backing up Jabari Smith, and that was true all season. I don't think it'll be true this season. I think they're going to expand what he what they do, because as much as I don't think Ime Udoka at times can be overrated as a coach, he's not the worst coach in the NBA, which is what they had last season, who just continually made wrong decisions. Nikola Jovic, little chungus, doesn't even have a ADP on Yahoo, and he's got the fake 140. I am notorious. No, I'm not notorious because nobody cares about my opinion. But I think most of you will know that I'm not massively big on Jovic as a player. There are plenty of people, Heat media, Heat fans that are telling us, man, look how good he is in Serbia. He's young. Look at these numbers he's putting up in the World Cup, mate. No one else can do that. This is an absolute jewel in the crown of the NBA. Like, it's bullshit. It's not. He was pretty good at the World Cup. Absolutely. But unless you fully believe that Dennis Schroeder is the best player in the world, then we just maybe take a little bit of a grain of salt on that stuff. And I thought that Jovic struggled... Uh, as a rookie, as they all do, but I also wasn't enamored at him. And some of this is anchoring bias. I watched Jovic as a prospect and went, eh, I don't know about this. And then I saw him in the NBA and I went, eh, I don't know about this either. It doesn't preclude him from improving, of course. But there is still, what the hell is going to happen? Because that Heat team, now at the moment, the Heat team's going to have Caleb Martin and Kevin Love ahead of him. So he's probably not even going to play if their roster stays as it is. But if it doesn't, and if there is trades and he moves on, or Caleb Martin moves on and no other power forward comes back, well, there is a role for him. Now, I'd probably put him more in the Cam Thomas range of last round flyers in that, like, I really don't think this is going to pay out or play out the way that we hope it would. But he's got to be on the list. Like, I'd much rather do that than have a crack at, oh, mate, the pencil Harrison Barnes. As I scroll up to the sound, Barnesy. And the next guy on this second year forward list is a similar one. Very, very low chance of this cracking on, not being drafted anyway, but it is old mate Jake LaRavia in Memphis. I don't know who is going to start in place of Jamaram. I don't. I think we'll find out in the first preseason game. It could be Roddy. It could be Canard. It could be Lil John, uh, Lil John Conchar. 
as I again try and find the Lil Jon Conchar sound. Okay! Or it could be LaRavia, who has got a pretty interesting fantasy game. Rebounds, assists, steals, some blocks, some threes, some scoring. If he was a 30-minute-a-night starter, which I very, very much doubt, but he would be very useful. And it's all about taking a flyer. Again, he would be down the bottom of this list of all of these guys, along with a Jovic. But there is that chance. And you could throw a Luke Kennard in here as well, maybe even a Roddy, but I'm just massively down on Roddy, not only as a real-life player, but also as a fantasy contributor. But I think LaRavia's got a little bit of something in him as an option if we get that, that direction. Now, taking a late-round flyer is not just about take a young guy. That's not always what it's about. It's not just, well, just, just draft the youngest player. Some of it is, because that's where we get a lot of improvement. But I've got a bunch of veteran guards here that we're going to talk about that have an opportunity to be useful in those last picks. And I'm going to start in Cleveland with Dracaris Levert. Dracaris. He's got an ADP of 150 and an ESPN ADP of 133. I'm not the biggest Levert fan. Uh, I used to be a pretty good big fan of him as a player, but he has regressed in my, in my eyes. And he shot well last season on low volume. But... There are some issues with his shooting, clearly. Field goal percentage, free throw percentage is a problem. But on this team, their backup point guard is Ty Jerome, theoretically, because Ricky Rubio is almost definitely not going to be ready to start the season, may not play at all ever again, which is obviously a sad situation. So Levert's going to have to play the backup minutes at the two and the backup minutes at the one, and might play 29 minutes a night, and might average four and a half assists, and 15 points, and two threes. That's really good, yeah? And if one of Struess, Garland, Mitchell go down, well, there's already a boost. So if Levert was coming in, he's ranked 181. He's been drafted in 33% of leagues. So I really do like Levert in, say, like a 16-team. I think there's amazing value in him there and in a 14-team league. But when you're, if you're getting him at 150, you're getting him in round 12, and that's almost a baseline level for him, and there's just so many other ways that it goes up from there, I think we can't discount that. I look at... Another old guard, because that's what this whole section is. And I go to Toronto and Dennis Schroeder. Now, there's all this noise coming out now about Damian Lillard maybe being traded to Toronto, which would obviously kill this. But I I do think that Schroeder is probably going to start instead of Gary Trent. Now, Dennis Schroeder is a guy that's changed his game quite a bit, become more defensively minded, still takes quite a few too many shots and has bad efficiency. But as a 31, 32 minute a night starting point guard, which would be possible... Really hard for me to consider that someone I wouldn't want to draft. And he's been drafted in only 66% of leagues. He's got an ADP of 133 on Yahoo on ESPN 132. Like, if he is the starter, could he be a 100th best player? Get yourself three rounds of value? Sure, why not? Could he be higher than that for stretches? Absolutely. Let's go to Joshy Richardson in Miami because I do think that Josh is going to start. Remember, they've lost Gabe Vincent and Max Struess. And I think that, let's say there is no trade, they will start Hero and Richardson in their backcourt, is my guess, not Lowry. It'll be Richardson and Hero. That's how I guess it would work out. He is just doesn't have an ADP, Joshy. He's got the fake 140 over on ESPN. He's drafted in 0% of leagues, apparently, Josh Richardson. Now, he's not Josh Richardson from the past where he would flirt with top 50 production. He's not that guy anymore. He's not we're a top three shot-blocking guard in the NBA anymore who can get you four and a half assists and score 17 points. But considering that he's basically free or is a waiver wire player, taking a crack at a guy who might be a starter, play 30 minutes, might get two threes a game, it's one and a half steals, 15, four and four. It's fine. It's way more upside than say a Harrison Barnes because he is going to have that opportunity to really boost the numbers and you don't have to actually invest anything. 
in Josh Richardson. That's the difference. And the same goes with Javon Carter, who I would guess is the favorite to be the starting point guard in Chicago. There's still a mess because there's Kobe White, there's Ayodusumu, there's Alex Caruso who can get those minutes. But Javon's a guy that shot really well last season. He can get good volume threes. He can be okay at assists. He can get some steals. I'm not going to go very high on Javon Carter because A, I don't know that he's going to start. B, I don't know that he's going to actually play starters minutes even if he does start. But a guy that when he started last season for the Bucks, he was useful. And a last round player, a second last round player, round 12, Javon's being drafted in 24% of leagues and an ADP of 144. Any guy that can get you two threes, 1.5 steals, four and a half assists as a starting point guard, I think that's all right. And that's there's value baked into that. Like He could be the 110th best player, just even at a 40th percentile outcome. So he's worth having a look. These are just guys that slide because I just think there is a little bit more in them versus, again, a Hunter or a Barnes or a... Um, I just can't even think. They're always the two names that come to my mind as guys that you can get a little bit more out of. Let's look at some more um, big men, some athletic young bigs. And of course, surprised you had to wait this long for me to talk about it, but let's talk Paulie Reed. I will stress, and I'll use this point here really clearly. I will stress to you, you do not have to draft Paul Reed. Do not think that, well, Paul Reed's the sleeper. I've got to have him. Let's take him at 90. Don't do it, please. For the love of God, don't do it. Pick 121. No worries. Go ahead. I don't know. Look, there is a real possibility that Paul Reed starts, plays 30 minutes a night next to Embiid, and is a top 50 player. There is an outcome of that that can happen. 13 points, 7 rebounds, 1.4 steals, 1.2 blocks, good shooting numbers. He can do all of that. That is possible, right, for Paul Reed. He's an unbelievable fantasy per minute producer. There's also the possibility that PJ Tucker and Tobias Harris get all the power forward minutes and Mo Bumba beats him out for backup center and he plays zero minutes a night or 10. That's also possible. With everything Nicky Nurse has said, would make me suggest that's probably unlikely. But these, is the, these are the guys, again, there's no point taking him a pick 100. There's no point in that. And if someone else gets him, oh well. But I'll be snagging him up pretty quickly once we get into the flyer portions of drafts. 141 is his Yahoo ADP. ESPN, of course, has him on the fake 140. He's still, as much as I've talked him up, he's still only getting drafted in 22% of leagues, Paulie. So he's available. Get him. Jalen Johnson. Put this one more into the LaRavia flyer types because I do believe that the, de- the depressed penis Sadiq Bay is going to start in Atlanta. But if Quinn Snyder looks at Bay and goes, I thought you were a three-point shooting 3 and D guy, but you can't shoot and you can't defend. If he realizes that, then Johnson might be there. He is a breakout candidate as a third-year player. He's athletic. He runs in transition. He can pass. He can get up to protect the rim and to get throw-down lobs. And his shooting's improving. This is all about the what-if. What if he gets that opportunity? Now, he might. He's, he's probably not going to. But he's at least in that discussion. And the same goes with KJ Martin, another high-flying young big man who is probably the best option for the Clippers to start at the four. Like I've said a million times, if I was Ty Lue, I would just start Powell, George, and Leonard at the 2-3-4. But they don't want to do that. And I just hope they don't want to start Marcus Morris or go to a uh, Nick Batum. Martin might play 15 minutes a night. He might play 29. 29 would probably put him on the radar as at least someone to take a look at if he gets that starting nod. And the other one in these young athletic big men is uh, Obi Toppin. 
I don't want to hear any more about Obi-Wan. ADP of 135 for Toppin, the fake 140 on ESPN. I would expect that he is the favorite to start in Indiana. I don't think that means 32 minutes a night, but it's enough of a role. Perfect fit next to Halliburton and Turner. He's not going to get you defensive stats. He's not going to get you assists. But points, rebounds, high field goal percentage with some threes. What more can you ask for for a late pick? And if Jarris Walker does take over at some point, well, you know what you do with Obi, Obi Toppin? Jack? Get that garbage out of here! It could be just one of those ones that works for the beginning of the season. And that is totally fine to do. What about in Utah? I have absolutely no idea what they're doing in their backcourt. They don't really have a premium prospect guard. Although you could make an argument for Keontae George. And I just don't know how they're going to run things. I do feel very confident in saying that Jordan Clarkson is going to start. So that means there is one position as a starter available. Is it going to be Keontae George, which is absolutely what I would do. And he's available late in drafts. And he's a very, very strong option to pick. He is drafted in 2% of leagues. Two. It's available everywhere. Deeper leagues, you can grab him. I would grab him in every league I could. But also in two weeks' time, and comes the preseason, he, he, we see him not play. And we, last season, Jazz preseason, Colin Sexton was coming off the bench. And I was like, what's going on here? Why aren't they starting him? And they're like, they, they don't want to. So another team where, look at the lineups that they throw out in preseason. If George starts getting the nod, get him. Or get him now, but get him. That brings us on to the Padawan, Colin Sexton, who might, might start. I do not think that Colin Sexton should be anyone's point guard of the future. He's not a great passer, but he is a very efficient scorer. He's a bad defender and he's short. I think I have heard that they want to make him into their sixth man, but like the teammate of his that used to be the sixth man, Jordan Clarkson, you can still have value in 29 minutes. And if he does get to start, well, he's worth it as a late pick. There's two other guys who've got, I think, outside, maybe not even outside chances to start. One's Oshai Abaji and the other is Chris Dunn. They're just available for free everywhere. The Jazz guys seem to be thinking that it's going to be Clarkson and Abaji, and I really think that's quite a horrible passing entire starting five, to be honest. And I don't really rate Abaji as a player, and particularly not as a fantasy guy. But if he was to play 33 minutes, maybe he'd get 14 points, five rebounds, two assists, two and a half threes, and do it relatively efficiently. And that might be worth it. Or he just completely blows away my expectations and actually becomes good. I would say that's unlikely. The other one is if Chris Dunn starts, well, I know he's going to be good at fantasy if he starts. I don't think, again, Chris Dunn is a particularly good player, but what I do know is that when he's out there, he's going to generate a shit ton of steals. He does get assists, even though he's not a great passer. His shooting has improved, although I'm still a bit skeptical on it. But really, any of those guys, if we hear that they're starting, and Abaji is probably the worst permanent producer out of that group, but there's options there. George, clearly the highest upside. Dunn, probably the least likely to get the big minutes. But until we get clarity, they've got to all be on your radar as late picks, as the Jazz guards. A couple of rookie forwards, I think, are worth talking about. Now, I don't think there's any real reason to draft a Bilal Kalabali. I just don't think he's got any chance of playing enough, maybe until March, unless injuries strike. But the guy that was picked one pick after him, I think it's worth it. Hello. Yeah, new sound drop for him. Well, he's just reappropriating Kemba Walker's one. Jarris Walker is a guy, like I've said, Obi Toppin's an option, but having a starter in his backup or the guys in a position battle on the, on the list doesn't disqualify them because someone's going to win it. Maybe they both played 24 minutes and are useless. That's possible too. 
But taking a crack at Ajaris, who I think is going to have some pretty bad shooting and offensive numbers, I think it's just worth to see whether he gets that starting nod or not. And the other one there is Brandon Miller, who I am very confident that he is not going to start for Charlotte. This is Steve Clifford. This is the Hornets. They are, and they've got other options. Yes, Miles Bridges is suspended, but they'll just start Gordon Hayward and PJ Washington, and they'll love what Cody Martin does. And then Bridges does come back. And like, what would you set the over-under on minutes for the season per game for Brandon Miller? I, I would set it 26 and a half, I think. Probably exceeds that later in the season, but he's going to be low early on. But maybe he's just way better than I thought, and the Hornets changed their entire philosophy with new ownership, and they don't believe in that slower development, which they've done with many of their players. Lamelo Ball came off the bench for this team. Right, Mark Williams played in the G League for three months. So don't be surprised. But you know, Miller's one of those guys that you do have to probably take him in round 11, and I've got no problem with that. I definitely wouldn't be going, well, Miller might break out later, so we've got to go higher. It wouldn't be doing that. But he's probably, I think, out of everyone that's on this list, Brandon Miller, he's probably got the highest ADP of everybody, even though he is ranked at 175. He's ranked at 175, but he's drafted at 92% of the league, so still not being picked everywhere. And the last group of guys that I want to get into are the youngsters in Dallas, because we saw some reporting about Derek Lively, and I know Locked On Mavs and Nick and Isaac had a good show about that uh, yesterday, I think it was, talking about how kids are like, yeah, Derek Lively, man, I'm asking Nico whether I can start him with Grant, Kai, and Luca. I know, what the? F I thought Derek Lively was a fantastic, and someone questioned me on this the other day. When I said I had him at number 10, it's got nothing to do with fantasy drafts. On my actual pre-NBA draft big board, I thought he was the 10th best prospect. Right? Offensive upside. He's big, he can rebound, he can protect the rim. There's a lot to like about Derek Lively, but I thought he's going to be incredibly raw and on a very good on a team that wants to be very good, it's hard to see rookie big men doing that. But apparently he's been super impressive. So take him in the last rounds because the competition of Dwight Powell and Rashawn Holmes, it's not very good. So if Lively can actually be good and get by with... Look, if he's in the rotation first night, playing 20 minutes, 18 minutes, I'm holding because I think it's just going to increase as the season goes on. Josh Green doesn't have an ADP over on Yahoo. I would say that he is the favorite to start. He took big steps forward last season. He's a little bit neutered playing next to Kyrie and Luka, but it's at least worth the upside. And then the other one, we talk about Derek Lively being maybe a starter as a rookie. There's like even smaller whispers about first round pick, gifted for free by the Kings, Olivier Maxence Prosper. Maybe he starts. He is a little older as a rookie. He's 21. His shot can be a little bit iffy, but he's got the big size, the way that they've used guys like Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock in the past. He's a bit bigger than Josh Green. If, and Jason Kidd's not usually the hugest fan of rookies, but if he's ready to go, there's an, there's something there. Now, I, I'd put him as my dog loser. Maybe he's not a Prosper fan. I'd put him more in the LaRavia group of prospects in terms of drafting, but it's one to watch. If they're going looking at Lively and there's a little bit of side whisper there about uh, Prosper and his role, well, worth considering. And that will do it for me today. Again, as I said, drop your late round flyers down below. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, you thumb that up and you leave your comments. You leave them right down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.
Yes, 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 yes. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.